Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I'm just going to let you do the lead into this one because you're going to know it better than me. <laughs> Sounds good, Joe. Well, you're uh, talking to me in my place of isolation here at, uh, at St. Vincent from having contracted COVID and tested positive and uh, then got moved into the system. We have quite a well-oiled system, I have to say, at St. Vincent with the uh, college providing a section of one of the dorms for those who are COVID positive to be able to uh, convalesce and uh, receive meals and not infect the rest of the community. So that's a little little different location for me. I'm fortunately on the uh, winning end of this with uh, about eight days in. I've got just the weekend left in uh, isolation. We're talking on Friday. So uh, just a couple more days in isolation, and then I'll have completed the 10 days since the onset of symptoms. So it's been a, a little bit of an adventure for me. I started getting symptoms. I woke up not feeling great last week, Thursday, and uh, then felt pretty pretty wiped out, strong uh, kind of achiness, muscle pain, flu kind of symptoms, pretty fatigued, and got to bed early that night, got quite a bit of sleep, and woke up Friday morning also not feeling great went and got a, uh, both scheduled a PCR test at Walgreens and then got a rapid test at one of the MedExpresses. And uh, the rapid both uh, turned out positive, but the rapid test, of course, giving me results that same day. So I was able to kind of kick into the system and move into isolation and just start treating symptoms and, and getting out of the way of other people. Um, not, a, not completely sure where I got it, although it seems I was was probably on a retreat that I was giving for lay people. There's someone else, maybe two other people who showed up positive after that retreat. Although the person that seems to have been not yet symptomatic, but potentially infected, I really didn't have any contact with. So I have sort of a good and bad story just at an entirely personal level in terms of all of the precautions. Uh, on the one hand, I was following all of the precautions as were other people on this retreat. I can't guarantee I got it on the retreat, but that seems likely. Um, everybody was masking. They were very careful about uh, keeping distance. Um, this particular person didn't even uh, take, take communion on the tongue, as I, as I recall. So all of the normal precautions, um, but somewhere in the course of the retreat, there must have been some, some communication of it. So that's kind of the bad news is even having followed the regulations, uh, there was still contagion. On the other hand, it doesn't seem that I passed it on to anybody. There's nobody in our monastic community, although I was probably uh, symptomatic or uh, contagious potentially for a couple of days before symptoms um, uh, are, are following the procedures or whatever it is. Again, however we attribute these things has prevented anybody in our monastic community or anybody that I know in the college or seminary from having gotten COVID. Now, we also have some of our members vaccinated and some people have already had it in the seminary. So uh, there are other factors there. But anyway, just uh, one, one person's experience. And then I found that, you know, I had pretty strong, uh, well, I had symptoms that were like flu symptoms for about 36 hours and then have really felt 95, 98% for the rest of the time, a little bit of congestion, little bit of uh, if I breathe in deeply, then it makes me want to cough. And so I just have to pay attention to uh, my breathing. The temptation is to breathe a little bit 
too shallowly and then I get a little high uh, carbon dioxide content, which is not helpful. But uh, but basically, it's been a good experience. I'm able to have mass here in my little place of isolation, one of the benefits of being a priest. So I've been able to consistently have mass, keep up with prayer, and then thank God for technology with uh, Zoom and phones and whatever else. My life has pretty much not changed in terms of the productivity or the connections, still doing spiritual direction and keeping up with uh, other responsibilities. I teach class online, so I was still able to teach this week and all of those kinds of things have really made uh, it convenient to be isolated for 10 days without uh, ending up with a huge pile of uh, catch-up work to do at the end of all of it. So anyway, just a little window into my own uh, COVID experience. So there's a lot that goes on there. Obviously, you, you, you caught it and had the horrible couple of days that those of us who had went through have had. Um, so I, I guess my first question is, is since you are in a situation that's different than, than many people in the sense that you're living in a community and you guys have a lot of people intertwined, you know, most of us are in a household that has realistically six or less people in it. Um, and you have what a hundred and some, um, not to mention all well, the people who are at the college working as well. <laughs> so, um, so I wanted to to talk about that element about how there's because when we spoke in the beginning, um, when COVID was first starting back last March a year ago, we were talking about how some of the procedures and ideas kind of at the time didn't make sense arguably still don't make sense but you you had made the comment that as contagious as it was reported of being once one member of your your group got it everyone was going to get it because that's how contagious it was do you have any uh, obviously now we're a year later and there's things like vaccines and, and we've learned a whole lot more but are you feeling any type of pressure or or, or any type of feeling about fear of giving it to to the rest of your community around you? Well, like I said, I, I certainly was a, a concern for me when I tested positive is how many other people would I have affected. Um, when they asked for the contact tracing, they asked me anybody that I've been within six feet of for more than 15 minutes. And uh, I hadn't been, we, I, we keep distance here. So our, our prayer, our mass, uh, and then just for various reasons, I, uh, I'm a little bit hit or miss in terms of monastic meals. Our meals are kind of the least uh, protected place within the monastic community because obviously you have to take a mask off and then our tables are just a little bit closer together. The person sitting across from you is probably within uh, six feet for 15 minutes. But uh, just I just happened that the couple of days not to have uh, had contact with people at meals. So uh, my close contact list was quite low compared you know, by their standards, which there's certainly a value to I'm on the one hand, I'm sure that the other monks are thinking if there is a guy that's going to get it, it's probably father Boniface. I mean, I tend to travel more, be involved with more people. I'm just, just uh, that much more engaged with, uh, with the world. Uh, on the other hand, that nobody got it from me is uh, I think a testimony to, you know, some of the, some of the safeguards. And then, like I said, a number of other factors that are in place the safeguards are not completely unreasonable. I mean, it's not that hard to stay six feet away from people. Uh, so 
that's uh, that's fine. It's a little bit awkward. It has been awkward for our prayer and mass just because, well, we, we sort of pushed uh, at the beginning of all of this saying, well, we're a family, you know, there are 90 monks living here. I mean, separating all these guys out in prayer, it's a big pain. And certainly wearing masks to prayer and things like that is a big pain. And uh, and again, I don't know what to attribute the, the lack of spread, but I certainly feel good about the fact that I didn't infect the entire community uh, for whatever reason we can attribute that to. Yes. And that's obviously a great thing. And, you know, as I look around, you know, we are essentially one year later from when we're recording this from when everything shut down. Um, you know, I, I distinctly remember it being conference championship week for, uh, for college basketball and, to shout to the automata, Duquesne won their first A-10 tournament game in forever yesterday, which was awesome. But side story there, that's it's more or less a, a, a year. And and being from Pittsburgh, where we always give directions by mile markers, I think I keep those with time as well. So so with that being said, we're, we, we know so much more now than we do then. Um And it's I'm very glad that, that you weren't able to spread it. I know that that was some of the concerns that, that you said that would wait upon people as they had it before. And I wanted to ask that since you've been, even though virtually connected, but physically removed from the rest of your daily life, especially with the monastic prayer and actually going to um, your church um, to, to participate in all that, how has that affected you in, in those regards? Yeah, and I feel like I probably have an advantage over most people in that, you know, there's something in the monastic spirit that's kind of ready to be alone. Um, as as I mentioned, as you said, I mean, I've had interaction with people, so I haven't felt uh, isolated that way. Um, not not uh, essentially no physical interaction with people. There's there's one other person who has who has COVID and he's kind of stayed in his own room here. But uh, the yeah. Uh, my interactions have all been over the phone, over Zoom, things like that. Um, not going to the Basilica has been, you know, certainly disorienting in a certain way. Uh, one of the one of the ways I noticed it, I actually a couple days ago was up to three in the afternoon, and I had walked 388 steps, which is just unheard of at that point in my day. I mean, normally I've walked from the monastery to the Basilica to my office to the dining room, back to my office, to the monastery, the basilica. So uh, usually at three in the afternoon, I'd have several thousand steps just from living normal things, not even trying to have that many. So the, the I've been forcing myself to get movement. I kind of pace the hallway here and things like that. I also have a reasonably nice structure in my day with a couple of appointments, praying the divine office on my own, celebrating mass, I'm able to structure the day in a way that's that's helpful. They bring a, you know, a meal for me at midday and in the evening, and so that helps to provide a little bit of structure. I've been praying evening prayer with one of the uh, one of the monks who I uh, was my one close contact. So he's been isolated in a different place and did not get COVID from our time talking within six feet of each other for 15, well, for about 45 minutes. But uh, anyway, he and I have been praying evening prayer together through Zoom, which has been a, a blessing. But I would think that those kinds of things would be really hard for people if they if their day loses structure. Then I think it 
really our minds start to to mush a little bit and and lose focus and then things kind of drag on and if you don't have a sense of purpose and things to accomplish then things can really drag on and i would think that would be much harder but i've been busy enough and have had enough interaction that that's been fine and uh and I don't mind being alone in terms of prayer or having mass uh, alone. Is uh, there's there's something very contemplative about that that I've kind of enjoyed in a in a way. So those uh, those has, those haven't been difficulties for me, but I, I can see being in this space how they could be real difficulties for for other people. Isolation could be really challenging for people, I would think. And going off of that skill set, that's something that. As a priest, I mean, you've been being told through confession and probably through other means as well, all kinds of different situations that people have gone through in their lives. Um, you know, that's just part of the one of the aspects of a priest that I don't know if everyone takes advantage of or, or really knows that that's something that you guys do. But it's post aside from just giving out the Eucharist and conducting the mass and, and performing confession which are all important things not trying to diminish those at all you guys also can help people with basic life problems in a way that a perspective that is beyond because you guys are so interconnected with so many different people and so many different life experiences you're able to transfer and transmit that Um, so my question is is having gone through this period of of a even though you know it's temporary isolation, but an isolation in that regards, has that changed any of the way you've thought about things like that or the way that you want to interact with people and lessons you want to teach moving forward? Uh, I'd say mostly it's confirmed the ideas that I would have had. Uh, my um, ha- Things like having a structure to the day, having things to do, having some intentional ways to interact with people, um, you know, just sort of, uh, I suppose, self-monitoring, paying attention to my own state of mind and uh, how I'm feeling from from day to day. Uh, and I've been open to, you know, not knowing exactly how things would develop. It's it's one thing on day one, two, three, and it's another thing on day four, five, six. And, you know, one one doesn't know exactly what will come. But I'd say it's mostly confirmed my ideas about that. I mean, I would really encourage people to find ways to to structure the day, to have uh, breaks and certain, uh, you know, uh, have some things scheduled out and, and planned. It's uh, helpful. We, uh, we tend to work a little bit better when we have some kind of deadline. I've got it, you know, even if it's as arbitrary as, well, I've got to make a phone call at three, so I've got to get this done before three. And that kind of structure, or they're going to bring my meal sometime between 11 and 12. And so, I want to finish a few things and then I know I'm going to have a natural pause and then I can let my mind move. Um, and likewise with intentional exercise and some things like that, I mean, just uh, pacing the hall here. They do let me go out wearing a mask as long as I stay away from people, um, which I've done pretty much once a day. But um, anyway, I hate putting a mask on. <laughs> so I'm, I'd rather be in my little, uh, my little place of isolation and keep my mask off than go wander outside and have a mask on. So, but I've done that and that, that helps, you know, just to 
draw out into a larger space. But but there's going to be a fair amount that's that's a personal adjustment in that too. I mean, some people get more claustrophobic. I don't. Um, some people may need more interaction than uh, than I do. Some people uh, would have a harder time and need to just be sensitive to their emotional state and not pretend like everything's going okay when it's really not. Uh, so there are a lot of different personal adjustments, I would say. But uh, but overall, it's been uh, I've been sort of gratified that the way I thought isolation ought to be is kind of how it's been for me. It's been uh, you know relatively relatively positive experience. And. To that point on structure, I've talked to a number of business coaches, productive managers, and different titles all along that same thing. And and what you said is exactly true. If you know that you have an artificial deadline, it creates people to get done faster. And I know for myself, I have an alarm that goes off two, every two hours, starting at 9 a.m., ending at 7 p.m. And basically, it just kind of gives you a little structure for the day that that way, if you have to get something done. You get it done before then you can give yourself a little reward. Or if you found yourself drifting astray in the day, it's something that can call you back and go, oh, it's already this time and bring you back because structure is something certainly that's important. And, you know, it's kind of funny. We think about things that are important we need in life that we just use these little macro examples here in 2021. And we think of, well, the church has been doing this for thousands of years. I mean, that's part of what the, the divine office w- was set out to do, if you think about it, aside from pausing and recognizing that it's God. But from a, a structural standpoint to our day, it gives us, we got to get this done before that, so that way we can do this. So I think that that's something that as we look deeper, a lot of these things that the 20th century, and I guess now the, the, the century we're in now, the 21st century, has kind of shuffled off and tried to parse out of the faith saying that you don't need to do all these extras, really do help structure our lives. And sitting on Twitter forever is not a profitable thing, despite the fact we advertise this podcast on Twitter. Um, so that's just some thoughts that I wanted to, to put out there because the, the need for structure is something that we all have, as well as the need for human relations and interaction. So I wanted to hit upon that second part you said there with when you go outside, how you have to actively avoid people. For you being as social as you are, that has to be a, a, a painful type of feeling or reminder for something that ultimately you didn't do necessarily something wrong in the first place by hosting a retreat. So if you could spend a minute kind of what goes through you whenever that happens. Yeah. It's uh funny. You should say social as you are the, uh, I, I sort of set myself up for that by saying that I'm engaged in a lot of things, but the reality is I'm a pretty introverted person and I'm pretty happy to be alone. Uh, if I have to interact with people, I like to do that in a one-on-one space, but it's not actually that hard for me to stay away from people when I'm outside. And uh, the more, the more popular I've become, I, I hate to say it that way, but um, I'm, I'm even a little bit more guarded against uh, whoever wants to sort of run up to me and <laughs> say whatever. So I, it actually doesn't bother me that much, but I, I can appreciate that uh, people who are uh, more social, who are more extroverted, who really need to think out loud and who need a lot of different uh, in, encounters and engagements 
that it would be extremely hard for for someone like that. Um, again, I for myself, I'm I'm happy to. I really like interacting with people one on one. I need that, and uh, and I do that. Um, crowds of people are not my favorite thing. Doing a lot of the ministry I do, I'm able to speak one on many, but it's essentially like one on one because I'm not. I'm, I'm talking with a, a, a congregation of people, but it's essentially like one person because uh, I'm not, you know, taking feedback from all of them at the same time or being forced to, you know, enter into uncomfortable social situations. So that's uh, probably a little bit easier for me than for for a lot of people. But um, it's yeah, I'm sensitive to. The, the suffering that people have gone through and especially, you know, the, the other thing is uh, I, I have, you know, thank God I've for a lot of different reasons that I can't give myself credit for. I mean, the way that I was loved as a child and the way that I've uh, the opportunities that I've had growing up and I'm in a place now, especially spiritually that I have, you know, a lot of uh, inner peace. And so what happens when we're alone is whatever's going on inside tends to get amplified. And for people who already are bearing uh, some, some insecurity, some unhappiness, some self-doubts or self-hatred, where there are uh, fears that are going on inside, those things tend to get amplified in a kind of interior echo chamber. And so uh, what started out for me as good has just kind of uh, been reinforced. You know, the warmth grows. Um, what starts out for other people is a little bit tenuous and they're able to kind of get by because they don't have to live in that or sink into that quite as much. Sometimes when they get alone, things get really amplified and, and uh, pretty, pretty painful, pretty difficult. And, and I know that that's caused, you know, a lot of different, uh, tense situations, the the domestic abuse uh, incidences went way up when we started isolating uh, at the beginning of this whole pandemic. And uh, people who were already a little bit shaky, then getting stuck in themselves, in their own places, in silence and solitude, that can be really hard. And so, um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that. And, and the remedy for that is is continuing to stay connected and, and even being uh, forcing ourselves. Sometimes as that gets ramped up interiorly, as we start to feel worse about ourselves, as we start to feel like a burden or a plague, you know, we may not want to reach out. And that's actually what's most necessary, uh, especially in those times. And so, yeah, it would be my encouragement for anybody who's listening and kind of gets into that space to know, like, you need to throw a, a line, raise a flag, ask for help, make a connection, you know, make a phone call, make a Zoom call and, and connect with people. Sometimes those interior places can get pretty, pretty dark and pretty heavy. And it's interesting you bring this up. I'm actually in the process of reading a book that's kind of outlining this. But the one thing I want to make sure it's clear before I start is you're talking about relationship building and not just creating busy work for the sake of busy work. Because what I was reading was that that problem of inner self not being in tune or essentially us not happy whenever we're in silence with ourselves, that modern society is using I'm so busy as the excuse. This particular article is calling it the disease of busyness. Um, 
that people do that to try to fill their mind space so that way they're so overwhelmed and overloaded they can't ever get any of that negativity that's inside them can't creep in until it comes time to go to sleep and then you can't fall asleep because all of this stuff starts coming out so you have just given the solution in it's person-to-person interactions is naturally how that goes to do it not signing up for six other committees to be a part of just to make you busy and feel like your resume is better, but actually to generate genuine connection and genuine relationships. And again, it seems like every time we sit down and do a recording, there's something in science that's finally catching up to what you've been teaching through the church um, in that it's showing that it's correct in that going online or using other forms of work busyness or social business to keep every second of our day occupied so we don't think about ourselves is not the answer. And, you know, we've outlined two major ways that we can address and fix this problem throughout the episode. The first is, is discussing with other people and having genuine personal relationships. And the other part is sitting down into prayer. So rather than making busyness the solution, sitting down and just start with a decade of the rosary. And you will notice that that problems within calm down. You know, we're not going to go from boiling water to put your hand in it in half a second, but it's going to gradually get there. Um, You know, step one is we got to turn off the heat that's under the water if we're trying to boil it down. And those two solutions do that, interconnecting with other people and sitting down with prayer. And sometimes it's, it just takes one step to start it. You know, we're not saying you're going to magically start talking to your dad that you haven't talked to in 20 years, but it can start with a simple text, you know, just a simple one starting point to just see what's, what's out there. And it's amazing how things can grow if you just put a seed in the ground, even if it's the wrong kind of soil. So I want to give you a chance, Father, because I know that's a little bit different than the COVID talk we started with, and that's certainly more your realm of expertise. Uh, and I want to give you a chance to to comment on that before we conclude today. Yeah, and and I would say, uh, you know, you're making a, a contrast, and uh, that's it's a valuable one in terms of a lot of activities versus uh, really meaningful and deep relationships. And I don't think that's a versus so much. I mean, it's really a both and thing. We we do need those activities and, uh, you know, whatever it is, committees and meetings and some of those things, because there's a sense of purpose and a way of giving ourselves that can that can take place there. Uh, having a meaning, having a purpose in life. Uh, and that would be the other part of my time in solitude. I, I got a lot of stuff to do, you know, and I have a computer and I can keep working from uh, from this place of isolation. And and that productivity, that ge- that generativity, that generosity helps me to also feel good and worthwhile and like I have something to offer. And then being able to give that in the context of relationships is really important, which is the point that you were trying to emphasize there uh, and and certainly is, is necessary as well, not just uh, skimming along at the surface. I'm very, uh, I, uh, I recognize the importance of defenses, you know, like uh, self-medicating to a certain degree. We, we do a lot of medicating and, and there's a point to a Tylenol or an aspirin, and it really helps people to just deal with some of the daily aches and pains of life. And there's some psychological ways to do that that are totally 
healthy and reasonable. And so I wouldn't want to uh, try to strip people of those and live in a, in a starker uh, exposure to the, the pain of existence. But uh, anyway, just to, to say, you know, we, we, need a, we need some little buffers and things like that. Those are fine. But we have to be careful about just devolving into activism, which can turn into a kind of workaholism. And we have to be careful about never going deeper in relationships because we're ultimately hiding from some things inside of us and ourselves. And, and so uh, the, the points that you're making there were, uh, were very important. We need, we need deep and meaningful human connections to share ourselves in, and we need uh, useful, valuable things to, to do and ways to offer ourselves. Um, we have to be able to take a little bit of an interior temperature and pay attention to some of the toxin levels inside of us, um, the toxic thoughts and the toxic behaviors that lead us into more toxic um, interior places. And, and, and we find our own cocktail of remedies for those, but we've offered a few to people in our time together today. Certainly. And it's amazing how prayer kind of self-levels everything that we need to be leveled within our lives. So we thank everyone for listening today. Um, and, you know, we encourage you to take some steps, either be with prayer or to reaching out to, to some family members that you want to have a stronger relationship and to, to do some steps to do that, to sit down and think about what those could be and go about and doing them. So we thank everyone for listening this week. We'll be with you again next week.